From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News. Profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Riley Nadler, and my my delightful co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is on the line. And we are your development leadership development coaches. Between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of executives perform in the top ten percent. And today's uh, feature, we're going to talk about the emotionally intelligent team. And we have James Terrell. And let me tell you a little bit about James. I've known James for probably the last eight years or so through different kind of emotional intelligence uh, conferences. He's definitely a thought leader uh, and a thought producer around um, products and books you know, for emotional intelligence. He is the vice president of Collaborative Growth, where James applies his expertise in developing emotional effectiveness to help public and private sector leaders expand the depth of their influence, anticipate change, and respond to it resiliently, certainly something we need today in today's climate. He is the co-author of The Emotionally, uh, Emotional Intelligence in Action, also The Emotionally Intelligent Team, which we're going to talk about today, uh, A Coach's Guide to Emotional Intelligence, and The Handbook for Developing Emotional and Social Intelligence. He and Collaborative Growth, uh, they help teams assess their emotional intelligence. They have some proprietary tools, the TESI, the Team Emotional and Social Intelligence Inventory, he'll talk about. It's the world's first scientifically validated assessment of team emotional intelligence. And uh, James tells us in a, his previous life, he was the owner-operator of a uh, Integrity Building Systems, a residential and commercial renovation company. And in the future, he also tells us he is certain to be a rock star. So he's got big aspirations here. And we'll, we'll hear about that. And uh, Kathy, welcome to the call. Thank you. It, it's just a pleasure to be here today and to learn. I love meeting new people and learning new things, and this is going to be a great opportunity for me to hear James talk about his work on emotionally intelligent teams, which, of course, is something we all need. We all know that leaders uh, are truly the heartbeat of any organization, and we all know that leaders can tend to underperform because they underestimate just how much influence they have over others. But by doing just a few things differently and by listening to these shows, we help everyone who participates improve your performance and your organization's performance in the leadership role that you play. One of the things that we like to do in all of our shows is help you develop, well, more leadership style and skills yourself and better leadership for those around you. We also talk about what happy companies know about performance, and today we're going to focus on emotional intelligence and the positive psychology strategies around teams. We love to talk about brain and neuroscience, gender and generation differences, work-life balance practices, and, of course, ways to self-manage and manage your boss. So why don't you listen in? Relly, how about if you share with our listeners a little bit about, well, some of the facts and figures around leadership development? Great. Thanks, Kathy. Well, why do we talk so much about leaders in leadership development news? Well, the reason 
is that we know that leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. Uh, emotions are contagious, and we like to say that leaders are the emotional thermostat for the team. They set the dial for their, for their team. And the goal in all these uh, interviews and calls that we have is to help you get someone into the top 10%. Today we'll be talking more about emotionally intelligent teams, but some of the research shows that to be in the top 10%, when you look at IQ, you look at technical expertise, uh, and emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the key factor to help someone get into the top 10%. And why 10%, top 10%? We know if leaders, if you get your people into the top 10%, they will produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And both Kathy and I are certified coaches, and we know when you bring coaching to your organization, it can increase productivity. Training can increase productivity as much as 22%, but if you add coaching on top of that, it can add uh, 88% to productivity. And studies show that when you bring coaching networks inside your company in just one day, you can do that. That studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. So if people are happy, they're going to be more productive. And the goal from this show and all of them is if you can get a few micro-initiatives to help you create some macro-impact. If you're interested in um, Kathy and her website, Dr. Kathy Greenberg is at www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in me, Dr. Riley Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence, um, tools and books, free EI assessments, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And James, welcome to the show, and then I'll give you a little introduction. Hi, Riley. How are you today? Hi, Kathy. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great having you. We went through some of your introduction, and let me just mention a few other things, and then we'll get right into it. We, t- we talked about how that you're the co-author of uh, probably three or four books now on emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence in action, emotional intelligence team, which is the focus today, the coach's guide for emotional intelligence, and the handbook for developing emotional and social intelligence. I imagine it's something new. And you are the Vice President of Collaborative Growth. You use a lot of the uh, EI assessments, the bar and EQI, the EQI 360. And today you're going to be able to tell us a little bit about one that you created, which was the first uh, validated emotional uh, intelligence assessment for team. And why don't we start off, James, just with our first question. We'd like to just know about the people that we're talking with um, who has been most influential for your life and maybe shaping some of your, your thinking about a leader? You know, there's an interesting story. As I reflected on this, um, I went clear back to my childhood when I uh, was reading um, Humor in Uniform or, or Life in the United States, something like that, in Reader's Digest. Hmm. And I recalled a story about a lieutenant, probably serving in World War II, who was highly decorated and uh, a reporter who kind of, you know, came up to interview him after uh, he just received all these awards for, you know, heroism and bravery. And um, the, the reporter asked him, he said, well, Lieutenant, why is it that you have such a reputation for always kind of being at the very front of, you know, the advances that, that you led um, and, you know, never hanging back, never seeking for safety and covering like that? And the guy said, well... Did you ever try to push a string? <laughs> and 
even as a young man, um, that made quite an uh, impression on me. That, that leadership is something where people have to be willing to show up. They have to be willing to identify themselves. And when it comes to emotional intelligence and specifically working with the Baron uh, assessments, there's uh, one scale called self-regard. If our self-regard isn't you know, high enough and if it isn't bright enough, uh, the people that need to follow us aren't going to be able to really identify us and have the confidence that they need. We have to be exuding that kind of emotional energy in order for them to, to want to, to, to follow. Now, another uh, individual whose uh, quote I have uh, actually over my desk, um, a man named Max Dupree, who you might know of, uh, what he said was that the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Mm. And this, is, uh, this also draws uh, right back into to the 15 uh, skills uh, in the, the bar on assessment with, with um, reality testing. We've got to have a good cognitive sense of what's real and be able to match that with um, our emotional participation in such a way that um, we're not dreaming. We're not um, getting off into such positive thinking that um, we're unable to act effectively and, and end up uh, having a lot of unpleasant surprises. So defining reality and, and leadership by example, those are two of the things that I feel are most important. Outstanding. You know, one of the things that um, I, I was thinking about as you were talking uh, are the experiences we all share around, you know, emotional expectations, and I think you use the word cognitive sense. And and given our, our economic stress right now, a lot of us have different emotional expectations of the market, and we have a different cognitive sense for ourselves of how well we'll, we'll do in that market. Can you, can you talk a little bit about um, what some of the uh, emotions might be that you speak about in the Emotionally Intelligent Team? Um, and, and maybe that'll be a, a foundation for us to build on as we go forward. Um, absolutely. Um, we've got seven different categories that we explore pretty carefully, and we assess all of these in the TESI. Um, but the one that comes to mind right off the bat is stress tolerance, because the uh, level of uncertainty that we're experiencing um, certainly uh, brings a lot of um, uh, stress to people, they don't know what the uh, most intelligent way to act is, and as a result of that, um, sometimes feel paralyzed. Uh, sometimes they may feel rushed into making decisions that they uh, regret later. So one of the things that emotional intelligence is, is really good for is helping us kind of slow down. Um, Gandhi said something pretty uh, powerful uh, to this point. He said, there's more to life than increasing its speed. And I think that a lot of the fallout that we're uh, seeing in the economic markets is the result of having ramped up the speed of, of economic uh, behavior to the point where it's not really sustainable anymore. Well, those are the, I wrote those down. There's some, some great quotes from uh, Gandhi and then actual uh, with Max Dupree. I wanted to mention just with that idea that our first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. And I think, you know, as we talk about the emotionally intelligent team and talk about uh, the leader who's emotionally intelligent, them being able to manage themselves and how do they direct people's thinking. I really like to think about great leaders give people a target, which sounds like some of this reality, 
of what should we be thinking about, what should we be focusing on, how are we going to move forward. And if, and if the leader doesn't give people that target, um, they're going to be all over the place with some of the uncertainty and stress that we're having. So kind of with that, with, you know, with today's climate, James, uh, maybe you can speak about why it is important for teams to be emotionally intelligent. Well, sure. Um, and, and just what does it mean to be an emotionally intelligent team? There's a, a real element of sensitivity that goes into this. We have to be sensitive to the signals in our environment, okay, that are actually causing or stimulating our emotional responses. Um, emotion is a much older uh, faculty in mammals than cognitive um, evaluation. And uh, in, in fact, if, if we're really tuned into our emotional uh, awareness, we're able to respond much more quickly and intuitively than we can if we have to process all of the decision-making we do in a, a pretty linear, deductive sort of manner. Um, but James, we're going to uh, stop there just for a quick break, and then we'll come right back and we'll, we'll continue more with this. You're listening to Leadership Development. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Companies Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. 
listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're speaking with the author of Emotional Intelligent Teams. And we were just talking about the idea that, you know, in today's climate, uh, teams need to be even more emotionally intelligent than ever before. James, why don't you pick up on that thought? When uh, we have uh, been working with some of the teams that have taken, uh, that have assessed the emotional intelligence of their, of their teamwork, and, uh, you know, found some of the dynamics that are at play there and helped them to sort of adjust those, what we find is that they begin to operate more intuitively. Um, some of the turf battles that, you know, were present, uh, some of the um, misunderstandings that tended to come up more often really tend to, to melt away. Now, it doesn't mean overnight because this is behavioral change, and, and as everyone knows, this means a certain amount of practice. It means, uh, you know, really a commitment and, and some focused attention over time. But um, as teams do make this sort of commitment, um, they begin to operate more rapidly because they can accurately anticipate the way that each other is going to be responding to the various challenges that kind of flow through the day. Well, that's that's really important, just because uh, with the stress and the expectations, you know, that we have, being able to kind of know how people are going to operate and know what what's next, either for your team or for the individuals, that sounds to be really important. Um, we're going to get into the seven uh, areas, you know, of the Tessie team, emotional and social intelligence. But maybe even before we do that, James. Uh, I'm curious because I know you, uh, your emotional intelligence in action has been a great book. And how did this one come about with teams? Maybe what was some of the uh, inception with you and, and Marsha Hughes as far as figuring out um, this could be a, a good little niche that we should focus on? Well, um, Marsha and I were blessed with a, a really excellent editor, Martin Delahousse at uh, Wiley. And after it became evident that people did like uh, emotional intelligence in action, um, he actually approached us and said, you know, um, we probably uh, would do well to focus some of this, particularly in the area of teamwork. Ah. And um, it was from his uh, initiative that we kind of got involved in doing this. Um, and it's it's been a very exciting ride, developing the assessment and working with uh, Dick Thompson at High Performing Systems, uh, who's our publisher, to get it validated. And uh, we have some friends in Portugal that are uh, translating it into Portuguese. I mean, it's all kind of come together um, in a pretty um, organic way, actually. Well, you know, I I can't help but think how exciting that is to not only be asked to create a follow-up book on the subject of emotional intelligence for teams, but to also be asked to create a tool that helps all of us function better in the context of a work environment where we're always interacting with others. So I'm, I'm kind of sitting here waiting for you to talk about the seven <laughs> school areas because I want to learn something in this. 
So yeah, let's maybe talk about the seven and why those seven, and then we'll just and what we want to do, you know, for our audience is to hear about it and then. And actually, what you have in your book, because I, I, I really looked through it, I think it's a very well written. You have a lot of actions, so that's really what we want to do as far as these micro initiatives for our listeners. So, what are the seven skills, and how do you come how do you come up with those? Okay. Well, um, first of all, I'll just list them, and then I'll go back and refer to them a little bit more in detail, perhaps. Uh, the first one is team identity. Next, motivation. Then, emotional awareness. Communication stress tolerance, conflict resolution, and positive mood. And how we came up with them, uh, my partner, Marcia Hughes, who's also my wife, um, has been working in, in team development for over 20 years. And um, I tend to do more of the coaching side of, of our business. Um, we obviously kind of collaborate both ways. But it was through her insight into the nature of teamwork and where she saw teams struggling that we chose to really focus on these seven areas. Uh, team identity has to do with um, how much someone feels like they really belong to the team. Um, are, are they a member or are they uh, sort of an employee of the team? Do they have the sort of status that makes them want to, to come and give their uh, discretional effort to the to the work of the team, or are they kind of do they feel kind of marginalized and only give exactly what it takes to to kind of keep their job? Now, that obviously ties right into motivation because if we don't have enough energy and enough excitement about the kind of vision that we're um, that we're moving towards, that hopefully our leadership has has been generating for us then it's going to be uh, tricky to, uh, to, to bring things to completion in a timely manner. I, I think I mentioned a little bit about the next one, the emotional awareness piece. As uh, teams communicate consciously about what they're feeling, this is kind of discouraging because we expect it to be you know, a lot further ahead by now, um, but let's see if we can you know, really um, focus here for the next couple of weeks. These kinds of messages... Um, you talked about um, leaders maybe underestimating their influence. It's, it's pretty serious in terms of, of the, the lack of recognition about how much their emotional messages influence the people on the team. If they're feeling optimistic, like, come on, I know this is tough and we can do it, and these are the steps we need to take, is everybody on board? Uh, when, when that's the kind of attitude they've got, it's so much easier for the team to really coalesce and, and pull together. And it's neurological. It's because that's how we're wired. We are wired to follow, uh, you know, kind of a, of a dramatic leader. Um, I might be getting off the right. list here just a little bit. That's right. And, and maybe you want to say a little more about that? So in the sense of how, how we're wired to follow a, a uh, um, I don't know what word you said, dramatic leader or... Yeah. Um, what I tell people is that leadership is a performing art, mm. and a whole bunch of what we do as leaders is actually dramatize our cognitive messages emotionally. And when, when the leader's here to set a vision, I mean, if it's a cognitive vision and it says these are the, you know, these are the benchmarks and, and these are the numbers we're shooting for and all this, okay, it, it, its chances of succeeding are far less than if they draw a picture of 
this is what it means to our customers to have this new piece of software in their arsenal. This is what it means to, to us as a team, how our, you know, importance to the company is going to grow when we're the ones that, you know, can do this. This is how it's going to impact you and me. I mean, it's going to be some weekends we're going to be working, but we're going to get some more time off. And, and I mean, just extending this sense of importance so that everyone feels included in it. Again, that's how you get the discretional effort. Now I'll move along because communication is, is built into all of this. How effectively we communicate these messages is really part and parcel of what I've been saying. I did speak briefly about, about stress tolerance already, so let me move on to the one that is actually proven so far to be the most difficult for uh, virtually every team we've assessed, and that's conflict resolution. The ability for people to say, no, I disagree, I don't like that, and um, this is what we should do instead, for them to be able to confront these kinds of issues effectively <clears throat> turns out to be the, the toughest part for, uh, for most teams. So are you saying that from your assessment, you know, because I don't know how many people you've given it to now, but that's one of the lower scores, conflict yes. resolution? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'd say that probably in 80% of our teams that shows up as the lowest score. Uh-huh. And what's, what's some of your sense of that? I mean, why is that one so low? And then what we'll do is we'll continue going through this, and we'll come back around and talk about how do you raise some of these, or or in your words, how do you grow these. But why is conflict resolution so difficult? We don't learn effective communication skills for dealing with conflict. We're not taught how to confront each other um, in a positive, constructive manner. And it's really something that we need to... uh, to learn now, some people get it because the the parents that they grow up with, the teachers that they, you know, have early in life, m- maybe someone there was a good model of it. But this is something that we definitely learn by modeling, and unfortunately, a whole lot of the models that we expose ourselves to, mm-hmm. the most emotional models that we get exposed to these days, are on TV and in movies. Mm-hmm. And um, effective conflict resolution isn't very sexy. That just doesn't sell. So we tend to see people that, that do it poorly and um, actually in some ways even identify with that. But there's a real balance between cognitive intelligence and emotional intelligence that have to fit together in order to be able to resolve uh, a dispute about what's valuable. I just want to add a, a kind of a personal perspective here as, as a woman. And as you may know, James, I know... Uh, certainly, Raleigh's aware of this. I'm working on a new book that comes out in September called What Happy Working Mothers Know. Yeah. It's all about having you know a life balance on your leadership style, both at home and at work, uh, following on the great work of Jamie Wolf, who just did Mom and Chief. And um, you know, one of the things that we know is a real difference between men and women on teams is their ability to use the word no and to be able to creatively find a way to withdraw. Uh, without necessarily looking weak or using harsh words. So um, I would just recommend to anybody who's who's listening uh, that there is uh, a book out there called um, The Mother's Guide to Self-Renewal by uh, Renee Trudeau, uh, president of Career Strategies, and she has uh, nine great ways to say no <laughs> without impacting anyone negatively. 
Now, is this so. something that I could recommend to my clients that want to develop their, I mean, whether they're men or women at work or, or at home? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. let me give you an example. One is the I'm sorry, no, I wish I could, but it's just not going to work right now. Or uh, that it's someone else's decision, no, which is one I use a lot, which is I promised my coach, in quotes, <laughs> therapist, husband, et cetera, I wouldn't take on any more projects right now. I'm working on creating more balance in my oh, life. You know, these are just this creative is ways. wonderful, Kathy. Without creating tension for hmm. people, right? And, and give the title again. Uh, this is called The Mother's Guide to Self-Renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's by Renee Trudeau. And then um, our new book coming out in September with Wiley, uh, Good Friends, it sounds like we have. Hooray, hooray. James. It's called What Happy Working Mothers Know. So, um, hey, on that note, why don't, we, uh, why don't we go to a quick break, and we'll come back and talk to James some more about maybe team identity and, uh, and ways to raise it, because I'm really excited about that. So we'll be right back. This is Leadership Development. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking about uh, the Emotionally Intelligent Team with James Terrell. And James, before the break, you were going through the seven areas, and we got through six. So maybe you can highlight the seventh area, and then we'd love to double back and then for our listeners say, okay, so of these seven areas, let's go through, um, you know, how do you raise them? So the last, what's the last one uh, I think you said was positive mood? Right. We hadn't talked about that very much. And this is really, in some ways, the target that um, teams are looking for. 
um, we spend so much time in the workplace that um, whenever we can make that a more uh, satisfying, a more fun, a more rewarding kind of environment to uh, create in, um, we get better performance both from ourselves as leaders and from uh, from our team members. So things like optimism and uh, a general sense of, of happiness and well-being, cheerfulness among team members, and um, you know a real can-do attitude that that um, the, the teams can develop in order to um, kind of sustain themselves through some of the stresses of whether it's. Um, Low budgets, or uh, you know, uh, losing people, or or whatever some of the, the challenges are the organization's facing. And I think that one's so important. And I know it's one of Kathy's favorite subjects, you know, as far as uh, optimism and and happiness and positive mood. But uh, but because everybody's looking at the leader, and especially at these times of stress, you know, they look at the leader and they're trying to say, is 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 he or she worried? And if they look worried, then the team is worried. And right. So that's why that whole aspect of, I love what you said earlier, I just want to repeat it, uh, around the dramatize the cognition into emotion. Is that kind of how you said it? Right. Um, we have to bring the cognitive um, instruction that we give as leaders to life. Mm-hmm. We, we have to act it out. I mean, this isn't corny. I mean, it needs to be done elegantly, obviously. But there has to be enough enough drama and emotional um, energy given to the way that we want people to um, yeah. perform the work in order for them to feel um, included. And this is what makes them um, tend to identify with the team. The, the key word here is really belonging. Do I belong to this team? Do I belong on this team? And um, some of the ways that that we can really help uh, teams increase this is to um, develop vision and mission statements that include um, some, not just the targets, but also how often we're going to celebrate our uh, progress. I mean... um, one of the things that we really, <clears throat> excuse me, are, are deprived of a bit in in modern life is is ritual, and this is these are some of the kinds of ceremonies that 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 people can use when they're in teams to acknowledge the uh, accomplishments that they've made and to um, kind of reinvest the the emotional power of the vision in the members of the team. Now, another thing that can uh, work is to, to do a survey. Ask everybody in the uh, team to um, look at some of the, the deeper factors that are involved in uh, team life. Uh, get, and this is anonymous, but, but get each individual's perspective on how well the manager is doing um, in terms of supervising, in terms of dealing with conflict. Um, ask people on the team to, to talk about their... Um, their work-life balance, how they're doing in managing to keep the uh, uh, workplace from kind of devouring all the energy that they have to share with family, and um, how they can um, also look at the um, the resources that they really need to be able to be more effective. Perhaps, perhaps it's optimism. Perhaps it's um, a faster turnaround time on on getting data that's important. 
So by being specific in some of these ways, it can really help the team say, ah, yes, that's my problem too. These are the kinds of things we need to do to improve our, our internal functioning. One of the things that I know I've come across in working with many teams uh, is the idea that belonging is so important. And I think you touched on that, and it touched me. Uh, And often if we don't come up with, as you so uh, beautifully articulated, a way of celebrating and agreeing on how we would celebrate, uh, often the way that individuals will celebrate may be very different from how a team wishes to celebrate, and it might not be... Uh, based on the same value set or the same principles. So I think your coaching on recognizing uh, how to do that uh, in a way that embraces everybody on the team is so critical. Don't you, don't you think that that is probably the case? Yeah, you've, you've really hit it on the head there, so that everyone feels included. Um, another thing that, that we can do to strengthen this is to, to have the team sit around and have each person talk about what the team means to him or her and what he or she, you know, would like it to be, how it could be even better for them. And just the use of that one phrase, how we can make this even better, mm-hmm. it implies it's good and it, and it could be even more than this. It, it doesn't, you know, denigrate the, uh, the accomplishments or the, uh, even the emotional atmosphere of the team, but to make it even better, um, it requires a little bit of risk-taking for us to talk about that as a team member. Um, but, again, when one person is saying, this is how I identify with it, this really meets my need for social responsibility because our products really reach out there into the, into the marketplace and affect the quality of people's lives and, and help them save time or, or whatever it is, um, other people kind of pick up on that, and their identity with the, or identification with those same goals and values starts to resonate. It's all a very resonant kind of system that, that we want our team to be emotionally. And I think it's going back to kind of what you said earlier, that kind of view of reality. How do we get, how do we, from the brain neuroscience, how do we get all the brains kind of lined up and thinking in the, in the same way? So with that team identity, you know, that's really important. So I think you, you gave some good ways to bring that about. What about your second skill? And I like that you're calling these skills. You know, I guess I gather from that that these are things that people have to learn uh, or practice is team motivation. So maybe you can talk about maybe, you know, that. How do you bring that about? But this idea of calling these skills, is that inherent that people don't have these as skills or it's something that always needs to be practiced? Motivation taps into some of the uh, deepest and most primal kinds of energies. Um, that we have. There's really only three kinds of moves that people can make. And the word move and the word motivation and the word emotion are all linked um, with the, from the Latin root, movare, which, which literally means to move. So, so we can see some of the connections between these things uh, right off the bat. But we can only do about two or three different things. We can move towards the things that we desire real important. That helps us, you know, get to where we want to be. It helps us create um, solutions to problems that maybe we haven't had to deal with before. But we can also move away from things that seem threatening. 
And that's kind of a defensive or a protective stance that, that keeps us from getting hurt, uh, that may keep our company from getting into uh, situations where it's, it's not competent to, to compete. Um, the third thing that we can do is when something's blocking our, uh, the goal that we desire is we can move against it. We can move to eliminate that obstacle. Now, interestingly enough, these three moves are each associated with one of the primary emotional categories. Uh, when we move towards things, that's sort of the, the, the positive feelings of desire, uh, love, enthusiasm, uh, hopefulness, optimism. Um, when we are moving away from the things that seem threatening, these are usually associated with fear. Uh, we might talk about feeling discouraged. We might talk about... Um, feeling anxious or nervous. But in any case, there's something that's, that's probably not good for us to be, um, you know, trying to tackle, at least maybe alone. When we move against things, this is the emotion of anger. And it's, it's a positive anger. It's, it's the, the energy that helps us mobilize our, our attention and, and sustain our effort and, until the obstacle is moved, uh, removed. This can degrade, though, into a kind of a, of a negative anger, which becomes personally attacking towards the other people on the team and blaming. This is something that is emotionally really unintelligent and demotivating. So, so keeping these three moves in mind is, is a pretty good motivational strategy. And I, I can't help but chime in here, James. When you said it's you know, emotionally demotivating, you know, if somebody on the team... Uh, just using a very loose language here, is power-motivated, they're going to show up right away using those language um, skills <laughs> as, as much as they might be devaluing other team members, which helps you to see clearly um, when the team is evolving and, and developing where we might need to do some coaching uh, in getting that team up to speed if we see that behavior. Is that pretty accurate from your experience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as leaders, we can check in with our team members individually uh, once a week uh, at, at least and ask them what is making their team experience work, what could make it more productive, more satisfying, um, and really kind of uh, take the pulse of the team on an individual basis so, so that we know that um, in an atmosphere of confidentiality, that that we're getting the you know the real data we need. Then, when we have our team meetings, we can uh, bring up this information. We say, you know, some of the people on the team are telling me that they feel that you know there's some some manipulation and intimidation going on. Is what's that all about? So naming it and claiming it mm. could be a good way right. to maybe start that discussion. And you know what? We're going to be right back. This is Leadership Development News. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about emotionally intelligent teams. So come right back. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Dad, let's sing that bedtime song Rockabye Baby by Newton's Treetop His first law of motion Make sure you won't stop The same rules of physics apply to a ball While gravity is a force that makes things fall By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with James Terrell and uh, co-author with Marsha Hughes of the Emotionally Intelligent Team. And we're going through the seven uh, skill areas that are in the uh, TESI. And uh, maybe before we talk about emotional awareness, James, tell us if someone's interested in taking the TESI, you know, how, how do they go about that and maybe what your website is. Sure. Um, you can go to eiteams.com. Um, or the Emotionally Intelligent Team. That's probably the easiest way to, uh, to find it. Just go to the EmotionallyIntelligentTeam.com, and you'll see in the navigation bar on the side um, a place where it says the TESI, T-E-S-I. And um, there's um, all kinds of information about, about how to take it there. It takes about uh, usually between 10 and 15 minutes for uh, a team member to complete it online. And what's nice is we're doing some um, a great certification process. Uh, I think it's April 16th. We've got a, a webinar so that people around the world are going to be able to get certified in using mm. this assessment. All right. And um, the details should, should be there on, on that website. They can also, you know, uh, write us at contact at com if they have any other questions. Seagrowth.com, okay. Contact at Seagrowth, letter C like cat, G-R-O-W-T-H. I've spelled the word collaborative so many times in right. my life when it came to doing the website. Okay. I thought no one else should have to. <laughs> That's good. All right, so Seagrowth.com. And uh, so let's zero in on emotional uh, self, uh, emotional awareness. It looks like the uh, third skill. Absolutely, and we 
the here's the thing that um, gives teams sort of the, the extra invisible edge. Um, we all, um, this is from the work of the uh, HeartMath Institute. They discovered that the, the human heart generates an electromagnetic field that extends about five feet in every direction from, from the human body. So when we've got a group of, you know, uh, eight people in a, uh, around a conference table, we've actually got uh, a, a kind of unification. Everybody's feeding off of, or feeding back off of everybody else's uh, heart field as it were, <clears throat> at an unconscious level. The trick is, or the skill, let's say, the skill is to make this conscious. And here I draw very heavily on the work of, um, of Kharkov from the um, early 60s, I think, with really? human yeah. relations training, mm-hmm. where he'd have people say, I feel upset because you're not being honest with me. Or, I feel thrilled because we're going to hit this one out of the park and get lots of recognition from uh, senior leadership. Um, The ability to take our own emotional pulse and know what we're feeling and why is absolutely critical. That's the first step in emotional awareness. But for the team to then talk in this manner and be able to both discuss their own emotional feelings as well as um, reflect for other team members what's going on for them. Um, wow, you seem really devastated because you had been counting on this promotion and thought you were going to get it, and they gave it to someone else. That shows that mm-hmm. someone is able to suspend their own self-interest long enough to really get in touch with what's going on for us, and it's the absolute foundation of trust. I also think that's the uh, empathy and knowing some of the EI models. You know, that Kharkov model has the four levels of, of kind of listening, which is the uh, and empathy is, you know, sharing someone's, no, understanding someone's perspective. And no one knows you understand their perspective until you say their perspective. And so I think just like you're saying, we, we did a uh, something with Obama, about Obama and the EI and what he's great about before he moves forward, he's always saying what their perspective is. And I think that's one of the critical behavioral things about about empathy. That's so huge, and I'm thrilled to hear about that. You'll have to tell me more. Okay, good, good. Well, as as you're uh, talking about some of these things, I'd be very curious to know uh, about um, how you see what you've been doing um, kind of changing uh, over the past five years, and given where we are currently, uh, where you might see it going, because uh, you know we're relying more on more on teams, and there's certainly network teams, and there's certainly teams that are distributed. So not being able to have that one-on-one contact with people seems so important to what you're talking about and engaging individuals. Boy, um, nothing could be truer. Um, so many challenges come from distributed teams, uh, people that their, their manager works in a different uh, a different city, a different building. Um, they might be teleconferencing with people around the world. Um, so here's one of the things that I really urge people to, to consider, and this is <clears throat> to develop a larger um, vocabulary, a larger emotional vocabulary. And this could be a great team project, too. I mean, you could have a, a whiteboard where um, maybe you've got those those three categories that I was talking about, mad, sad, and glad. 
and maybe even a miscellaneous one if, if there's some you know feelings or words that don't seem to fit under one of those columns. But but if if you don't have things like delighted um, and discouraged and um, hopeful and um, thrilled at at your fingertips or or at your at the tip of your tongue, I guess you'd say. Um, it's really hard for people who are listening to you on a phone or, or on some kind of just a mere auditory connection to really get the, the full dimension of your, um, your emotional message, your emotional meaning. And it's really all about how effectively we send and receive the emotional energy that lets people know what we value and why we value it and how much we value it. That's what has to happen in any effective meeting, any effective um, project, and, and we kind of have to keep, you know, checking back in uh, to, to take that pulse on a regular basis. You know, James, we're uh, getting down to probably the last four or five minutes. Let's zero in. I think you've cut, you've said some stuff about communication, but what about stress tolerance for a team? I mean, given mm-hmm. you know that's a, a key area that maybe we'll see if we have time for conflict resolution. What are some of the steps for a team to deal with uh, stress tolerance? Well, it's interesting um, that that you ask that because, in some ways, t- uh, uh, um, stress tolerance is the most um, physiological of the of the skills. Mm-hmm. That I mean, the, the impact of not dealing with stress is is such a, a physiological challenge. Consequently, you can get into a little bit of you, you have to do this with kid gloves sometimes because. If there are some people on the team that um, you know don't necessarily take care of their health in the same way that that, that maybe some of the more active people do, you don't want to get into a judgmental place. But the the best responses for for increasing stress tolerance are are, are physical exercise. Get more oxygen into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are obviously other ways that. Um, that we can kind of facilitate the level of communication to help um, prevent some of the stress from backing up. Usually it's based on assumptions and and misunderstandings that don't get corrected. Um, so if we, if we ask questions like, boy, is it possible I'm overlooking something here? Um, is there anything that might keep this from working in the long term? Some of these reality testing kinds of questions... Um, can definitely help us to avoid the uh, the the impacts of stress. So that's the the languaging and kind of like being open to different uh, alternative interpretations, or at least to even establish that there all there are alternative uh, interpretations. Well, inviting uh, people to challenge us and yeah. saying, "Am I missing something? Help me out here." And the other thing that I would add to that, and James, I I love your perspective is. If you are working in a multicultural environment, what word uh-huh. you use may have a different impact. Yeah. So I think his uh, his idea, James, you said, you know, to have some, you know, whiteboarding. I mean, there's so much group software out there now that makes that possible. Making sure that the language around what makes you mad or sad or glad is so critical to the to the overall objective of the team. And you know. Communicating our intentions up front is also a pretty effective way both to, 
improve communication and stress tolerance and, and conflict resolution by saying things like, I really want to, here's why I'm doing this. I really want to help us eliminate some of these roadblocks that everybody complains about. But at the same time, we have to, you know, face up to the fact that we're part of that, that, that we're doing some of this to ourselves. And if it's going to change, we're going to have to change some of the behavior patterns that we're most comfortable with. So identifying what our goals are and why we want to achieve them and why we may be pressing into some of the more challenging, uh, conflictual um, areas uh, up front can, can be pretty helpful. Well, James, we're, we're at the end of our uh, show here. This has been great. We certainly, uh, time goes by fast. We'd love to have some more time with you down the line. And let me just repeat the, the, your website. It, you said it's cgrowth.com. Right. And Collaborative growth. And then also for the uh, Tessie was the emotionallyintelligentteams.com. Uh, just one. The emotionallyintelligentteam.com. Oh. Okay. That's okay. the name of the book. <laughs> and uh, the Emotion Intelligent Team uh, is the book, too. So excellent. We highly recommend it. And, and a lot of great stuff in there. So, James, thank you very, very much for sharing some of your seven steps and how teams can be more emotionally intelligent. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Rowling. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciated learning about the, uh, the ways to say no. Oh, well, it's been an honor. Okay. Thanks for sharing. All right. All right, James. We'll be, we'll be back in touch. Thank you very much. Bye for now. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.